Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. It's another edition of the Eagle Hour, broadcasting live around the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Radio Network and around the country as we're streaming live now every day at 1 p.m. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Got a lot to talk about today. Stephanie Radeski, of course, is the uh, pretty new volleyball coach uh, for Southern Miss. Those ladies start playing in nine days. They'll be out uh, in uh, Denver, Colorado. We're going to be talking to her about that, as well as the opening of their new uh, beautiful volleyball facility. A little later in the show, Luke's going to start uh, a breakdown from uh, day to day different positions uh, on the Southern Miss football team, give you some analysis of who you can look for, what names and numbers to uh, remember as the season starts. And today we'll start with quarterbacks. Uh, we'll have that in the third segment. want to start the show, though, talking about North Texas football as we continue our Conference USA preview. Opening segment sponsored by our good friends around the state at Dickey's Barbecue Pit here in Hattiesburg. They will uh, smoke fresh meats every day in their restaurants. It smells good and tastes even better. And uh, with tailgating just around the corner, remember Dickey's is the source for tailgating, the source for catering. They can uh, make your event very special, large or small. want to thank Dickey's Barbecue Pit for their support of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss. All right, as we look at Conference USA football again this afternoon, North Texas may be the team to beat with a really great quarterback, a bevy of receivers coming back, running backs coming back as well. North Texas is living large with their coach, Seth Luttrell. The man who knows a lot about him is Dave Barnett. He's the voice of the Mean Green, and he joins us on the show today. Dave, thanks for coming on to talk about North Texas. My pleasure, guys. Well, as I read the Athlon review this morning about the 2019 season, there got to be a lot of smiling faces out there, Den. It looks like this is a team that will be very formidable offensively and maybe a little bit of a question mark defensively. Do I have that right? Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. Most of um, the offense is back. Um, most of the big play people on defense are not back. So there's some holes to fill on that side. Um Last year, they averaged right at 34 points per game on offense, and they need to up that three to six points, I think, to have any kind of a comfort margin, especially at the beginning of the season. But overall, um, I mean, they're at this point a solid pick to win the West for whatever that may mean. Um, and I think the other thing they come into this season with is a combination of confidence and a feeling that they have not reached their goals for potential. There's confidence because They've won nine games back-to-back. Two years ago, won the West. But in Seth Luttrell's three years, they've made bowls and have yet to win a bowl. And every year he starts with the same goal, win the conference, win a bowl. So both of those are very possible, still unaccomplished. And that's kind of the mindset this team enters the season with. 
Dave, you've seen a lot of football in your broadcasting career. Try to put in perspective for our listeners around Mississippi just how good the quarterback Mason Fine is. Well, I think he's the best story in the country, and I've thought that for his entire career. Uh, He's playing at the one school that gave him an offer out of high school, and he was the most accomplished high school quarterback in the history of Oklahoma. The only two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. Holds every record, but he was listed at 5'10". He wanted to play at Tulsa, which is only about a half hour from where he grew up, in, in Pegs, northeastern Oklahoma. No offer. The one school that uh, took a look at him uh, was North Texas, and Seth Luttrell had a relationship with his high school coach. Seth had just arrived, um, inherited a very bare cupboard, and it, in his mind, you know, wasn't any kind of a gamble at all. I mean, look what this kid has done at the high school level. He's 5'10", but uh, even back then there was already a history of uh, quarterbacks like Russell Wilson overcoming um, what most people consider to be a height barrier. So very first game, he's behind a graduate transfer from Alabama um, who did not play well home game against SMU by the second half Mason's in the game. He basically won the starting job on his first possession. Played as if he was the graduate transfer, let him down the field, uh, just exuding confidence. You could see the physical ability. What you really could see, though, was the uh, the mental capacity he has. The uh, ability to rise to any moment. Um, leadership. Every intangible you could ever ask for in a quarterback he has. And so from that point on, Game two of this freshman year, he's been the man at quarterback, and uh, I think he's maximized about as big as he could be. They listed at 5'11", 187. Um, he's lived in the weight room. He lives uh, in the film room. Uh, I've never seen a kid more dedicated to maximizing his potential. Uh, and so, you know, this is the year, and he's entering it with the mindset that if we do not win the conference this year, if we don't finish with a bowl win, then I, I think even though he'll own every record in the history of the school, he'll, he'll see his college career uh, as uh, ultimately unfulfilling. Uh, and, and he is the leader on this team, so he will set you know, um, the beat that everybody marches to, and that's probably the best thing this team has going for him. All right, Luke, get in here. Dave, thanks for being on today. Bussy Jr.'s back uh, rushing-wise. I think Torrey's back. But what we saw was your offensive coordinator, uh, Graham Harrell, goes to Southern Cal, and Coach Reeder comes in. Is this uh, is this really Seth Luttrell's offense, or will we see any uh, evolution at all with uh, Reeder calling the plays now? There will be some changes. Doyter um, Reeder will use the tight end much more than Graham did. Um, there will be more of a blocking back in, in certain situations than the last um, – few years and so yeah i mean i think the basic philosophy is the same and that is to put all these returning skilled people in position to succeed the best the way they do it may be a little bit different but i don't i think the reason seth was attracted to Bodie was uh the track record of what he put together in eastern washington and the similarities but the fact that it wasn't a carbon copy that he could introduce some new wrinkles that had not been tried here and that the teams are going to play have not necessarily seen and had a chance to prepare for. 
we've seen uh, you know out in out in Texas and especially where there's a Texas Tech influence, you know, the Mike Leach school. We we see a lot of times, you know, you win in shootouts, 56-48, but when you look last year, the North Texas defense only gave up I think 30 points twice. What are they going to look like this year to be able uh, to give the the ball to the that potent offense's hands a lot? Well, as I said, the the four top playmakers from last year all graduated. Two linebackers, both corners. The corners combined for double-digit interceptions. Um, the two linebackers, E.J. Ajiwa and um, Brandon Garner, were the top sack and tackles for lost people. So big holes to fill there. Um, but this being year four, Seth has now kind of back the cupboard and there are people that got playing time last year that are now ready to step into these key roles there's a couple of graduate transfers that they can plug in um, to the secondary so um, coaching staff um, in, in, in that um, side of the ball is, is still led by Troy Reff the defensive coordinator I don't think there will be philosophical differences I think this season is, is about okay we've recruited now four classes where we knew at some point, there were going to be big holes to fill. Now it's time to do that. Um, and again, I think you know it's it's realistic to expect the offense to average even more than 34 per game. Whether the defense uh, can hold opposing offenses and a challenging schedule to 20 to 25, I think really is the key. So, in summary, what does North Texas have to do, uh, Dave, to accomplish all of its goals? Uh, I think number one is start well. Um, they open at home against uh, an FCS opponent, Abilene Christian. Uh, the rest of September offers challenges at SMU with uh, Shane Bouchelle, graduate transfer from Texas, now taking over quarterback for SMU. North Texas blew SMU out last year. SMU is the rival for North Texas. Um, there's a trip to Cal. Uh, Houston comes to Denton for a home game. I think by the end of September, this team will pretty well know where they stand. If they can run the table in September, I think um, there are no limits. Uh, I think the, the confidence level will be so sky high that at that point, I think they will really expect to run the table, whether it's realistic or not, with trips to Louisiana Tech, to Southern Miss. Uh, they close at home against UAB, so... Uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. I think if, if they don't win double digits this year, I think that will be a major surprise. And as I said at the start, if, if they don't not only win the West, but win conference championship, follow that with a bowl victory, I think everyone with the program will consider this to be an unfulfilling year ultimately. All right, Dave, we really appreciate your insight. We look forward uh, to seeing this fine football team here in Hattiesburg, and we thank you for being on the Eagle Hour. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Dave Barnett, everybody, voice of North Texas State. We're going to talk a little volleyball when we come back, and the thunder roars here in Hattiesburg. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us. Stormy afternoon here in South Mississippi. What's the weather like over in Laurel, Luke? 
It's been raining uh, a lot today. It's actually kind of overcast right now. A little blue sky to the to the west, I think. But yeah, it's been raining for the most part. All right, we're attempting to uh, reach out to uh, Coach Radeski, the volleyball coach at Southern Miss. Dalton will keep trying to uh, get in touch with her. Hopefully, we'll. Have her on the show as scheduled before the end of the hour. This segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Our buddies down on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus guarantee you, guarantee you they're filling the store up with football-related stuff right now. So if you want to get some new swag for the opening football game a week from this Saturday, uh, that's the place to go, Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net if you're living in other parts of the state. You know, you can tell, Luke, that we're getting close to football season because I was at Walmart with my wife Saturday in Hattiesburg, and there's a whole section of Alabama Crimson Tide uh, merchandise now on display for all of the uh, sidewalk alumni to come in and get their new swag for the fall. So football can't be far off if Walmart is stocking up on Alabama T-shirts, right? <laughs> Well, you got to take advantage of the bandwagon. Walmart Walmart is fully aware of the Southeast Mississippi bandwagon of the Crimson Tide. Correct. And uh, it's a pretty big wagon uh, if you, in case you do want to jump on board. Pretty easy though to be an Alabama fan. Sort of like the guy that works next door to us. He his car is covered up with um, New England Patriot and LSU stuff. So He's taking very little chances of losing much this year, being a Patriot and an LSU fan. But we're, of course, Southern Miss fans here. And so I'm calling on my buddy, Luke Johnson, former player, of course, for the Golden Eagles, to start breaking the team down and give us some analysis, not only of who we think will be the starting players, who we think will be the big names that you'll see, but also – uh, other kids that are playing that position. And as I'm speaking, Luke, if you can pass on to uh, Sheila there, maybe she can uh, make some effort to reach Coach Radeski and we can bring her on in the next segment. But well, let, let's start with quarterbacks, Luke. Now, everybody knows the name Abraham, and everybody expects Jack Abraham uh, to be the starting quarterback, even though the coach is not going to tell us until right before the first game. But you told me before we went on air there's seven quarterbacks in camp. Jack Abraham uh, is a redshirt junior, uh, six feet, two hundred four pounds. Uh, Tate Watley, the other name that's been thrown out, he's six two, one ninety one. He's a true sophomore, and then a, a guy that we haven't talked about much. A lot of people thought that he might be the starter by now. Marcelo Rodriguez from Miami, Florida, six two, two zero one. Of course, the freshman sensation. Everybody's talking about Jaden Johnson out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, really look has looked really good throwing the football, and then Chandler Rogers. Uh, Six feet, 179 out of Mansfield, Texas. He's a true freshman, can, can really move, a dual threat guy. And then a couple guys that, uh, nobody's mentioned yet, just for depth. Redshirt freshman Jason Goldstein. He's six feet, 185. He's actually from Connecticut. And then LJ Leonard, a freshman from Slidell, six two, 180. For, for our purposes today, uh, Abraham Watley, and uh, Rodriguez will be the ones that we will mention. But I'll, I'll say a few things about Jaden Johnson also. Let me interrupt you. I, w- I want you to talk about Marcelo Rodriguez. When he was a senior in high school down in Miami, we had uh, – I, th- I think we had him on the air. Maybe it was his father. I-, I can't remember exactly. But this was a kid that was pretty highly recruited down in South Florida. And uh, even before he finished his senior year, he publicly committed to Southern Miss, always wanted to come here apparently – came in camp with great expectations. And I, I'm so glad that we're doing this segment because we've heard so much about the, the first two, Watley and Abraham, that 
this name has kind of slipped underneath, but here was a, a, a highly touted kid, apparently with a big arm, lots of talent when he came in here. Why have we not seen more of uh, Marcelo Rodriguez? One of the things is when you watch him throw the ball and even pregame or in quarterback drills, he looks really good. I mean, all the intangibles uh, you, you think are there. A lot of people think he's the most athletic quarterback on the roster. Uh, a lot of people think he has the best arm on the roster, but uh, he just can't seem to grasp the offense. I mean, that's what it's been. It's been a, when you put him in game situations. I, I remember last year he got against Jackson State and he threw an interception. You know, and, and uh, you could see – in some ways, just by his reaction, uh, it seemed like every time I've seen him play, either in a spring game or in a, in a real game, he didn't get that much action last year as a retro freshman. It just seems like he's overwhelmed at the at the collegiate speed. And of course, we haven't seen him uh, at at all, you know, this fall and and what he might do if put on the field. But uh, what you saw with Tate Watley being able to step up when the game experience come has been kind of the 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 knock against Marcelo. I, I I'll. Different people have said uh, that you know if if he grasps the offense, he might actually be be a starter as a redshirt for, uh, as a redshirt sophomore. But it's just been it, it, I think it's more mental with him. All the the physical tools are there. So I'm tempted to think uh, with Jack being a junior, with Tate being a sophomore, and especially with Jaden Johnson coming in, if Marcelo doesn't see significant playing time this year, you will probably see him in the transfer portal uh, when 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 the season is over. With never want that about any Golden Eagle, but there's really not much road for him to play right now unless he like as a redshirt senior. When I think of Tate Watley in a game, though, I and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I I think that defenses ease up on pass defense. They know that he's going to – it just seemed like to me when I watched him play, of every opportunity he got, he took off with the football. Is he just going to be a running quarterback for the Golden Eagles? No. Part of that is when, when you have a quarterback doing that, it, it he's he's trusting his feet more than his arms. You know, he, he can hold on to the ball and control the ball literally, you know, and where he goes when he's just going to let it rip. In some ways, you want a young kid to run the ball or, or throw it away versus just kind of forcing it. So some of that was, uh, he, that was the part of the game that was, you know, that he can make an impact on. Uh, I do think what's the reports have been out from his teammates, from coaches and from, uh, from camp is that his arm strength is just phenomenal. It, it's much better. It, it's just drastically improved. I think Tim Jones or Quez Watkins was talking about it in a, in a uh, post practice interview. So I think what you'll see this year with Tate, you'll see, uh, a little bit uh, more maturity. And uh, you'll be able to see him kind of maximize that dual threat a little more. What Tate has with what is exciting and what the coaches are exciting about, he has kind of that it factor. I mean, he, he's, he's almost like a gamer. Um, two totally different things. Uh, but, I mean, as a, as a kicker, Coach Bauer used to always mess with me and say, you were like one of the worst practice punters of all time, and you were one of the most best game punters of all time. And I know I'm a punter, and I'm talking about a quarterback. But, but the point is, when Tate got in there last year, he made stuff happen. And as a coach, I mean, that's what's exciting about a player. And, and that in, a, in a very small sense, Tate has what you know what you would just come to, to watch with with a Favre or somebody like that. He, he's just going to make something happen. Teammates rally around that. Coaches love that. And so I think that is what has allowed him to be in the quarterback competition so much in the spring and led into fall camp. 
All right, the coaches are not going to say this, uh, but we all believe, and when Reggie Collier was on the show Monday, he said everybody involved with the football team already knows Jack Abraham is going to be the starter, isn't he? Yeah, especially this last uh, practice, he went 15, or the scrimmage on, on a Friday, he went 15 to 20. It's just you eventually need to submit submit who's going to be the the quarterback. I think the whole team knows that is what Reggie was alluding to the other day. You know, and you know Jack's your starter. But with with Tate, you do create opportunities. Uh, you have a you know RPO stuff. You have some run pass option stuff, and you have to make defenses scheme a little better. I don't know though. In the off season, depending on how Jaden Johnson looks, there's a real chance that Jaden Johnson could be your starter going into 2020. But with Jack, Jack's just kind of like a cool hand. What I'd love to see him operate better this year is not force throws, 15 touchdowns, but the 10 interceptions are really you know what frustrates you, especially the one that you know down the stretch to Louisiana Monroe that that eventually ended the game for us. So. With Jack having so much depth outside, I think that will take pressure off him. And should we keep in mind how many of those interceptions last year had to do with the fact that he was getting chased for his well, life? For I was the not about to line. say in defense of Jack Abraham, he didn't have a very good offensive line last year in front of him. And uh, we talk in terms of well, if the running game is going to improve, the offensive line has to improve. I think if the quarterback play is going to improve, the offensive line has to improve because you have to have time to throw the football. Yeah. And that's why they signed seven offensive linemen in December. And you look at the way this offensive line is shaping up, just size-wise, you know, Trace Clopton, your center, may end up being your, your smallest offensive lineman. He may be the only one that's just around 300 pounds. It looks like everybody else is going to be in the 320 to 330 range, and I know Abraham's smiling because of that. I see a lot of people in that range at Krispy Kreme. That's not the same thing, though, correct? Uh, most of those guys aren't six foot five or six foot six and have you know twelve percent body fat. No, you're saying, you're saying they're more like me. Is that what you're trying to say, Luke? I wasn't going to say that. If you bring it up, I might concur. But I wasn't. <laughs> Bob, you're actually. It, it's not actually that bad. You know, I just can remember back in the day. Some of these guys, we would do a body fat test every year, and you know, even some of these guys, man, that would be that big, they would have you know. Less than fifteen percent body fat. Some right, some are right. some are D linemen. You know they may have ten percent body fat. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And it gets bigger and it gets bigger and faster every year too. That's uh, that's what's so incredible. All right, we've got another half of the show to go. So please don't go anywhere. Eagle Hour continues after this. Back on a Wednesday, 4th Street Bar and Grill brings you the third segment of the Eagle Hour every day, located 
Just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, you can go there for great food, trivia, sports memorabilia, all kinds of stuff. Our good friends over at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Bob, you've been monitoring uh, some more social media stuff with uh, the big announcement about concessions and other things at football games this fall. And it's been pretty uh, wild how much feedback we've gotten over the announcement from the university. Well, we've got tremendous feedback on our social media on the eagle hour facebook page we really do appreciate uh, that I, I want our listeners to know that when we when we post something on that uh, site asking you for your opinion we really value that i read every single response that came to us i read some of them more than one time uh, some of that response kind of softened my attitude, to be honest, not that that matters, but the, the opinions of our listeners are very, very important to us, and we take it very seriously, and I want to thank everybody that uh, took the time to uh, – some really thoughtful comments, too, uh, Luke. In summary, here's what I would say I've observed. The idea of getting reasonable concession prices – a hundred percent approval. The concession prices, let's just be honest, have been absurd. Seven dollars for a cup of ice and co. Come on, uh, how friendly is that to a guy that brings his wife and three children to a ball game? So, kudos to the school for uh, you know forcing some lowering of concession prices. The beer and alcohol, I'm going to say that, you know, the majority of things that I read are, are people that like it. They think it's great. It's party time. Boy, it's going to be rocking at the rock, blah, 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 blah. Uh, other people have legitimate concerns. We're going to have uh, Jeremy McLean is going to be on the show tomorrow. He's scheduled to be with us for a couple of segments. And we have some very serious questions to ask uh, Mr. McLean about how things are going to be supervised and enforced in the stadium to maintain a civil and family-oriented atmosphere. And I look forward to his responses. No question he's thought all of this out. No question he knows that what he did, uh, the decision that he made, was not going to be well-received by everyone. But I think we have to give it time. I think we have to give the university the opportunity to show how they're going to control this situation, if it requires any control. And uh, I think Kelly hit it on the head yesterday, Luke, when he said you got to give Jerry McLean credit. He's not coming in here doing the same old, same old and continuing to watch football attendance get embarrassingly low. Uh, he's doing some things that, um, that hopefully will improve that situation, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, you, you tip their, your cap to them for, for trying, and, you know, they're – they're with the students in the Grubhub app. They're they're trying to attract more students, keep more students there, and then with the family friendly pricing. Here, let me just be devil's advocate for a minute. We were talking about it during the break. Also, you know, I think there's legitimate people on both sides. Uh, there's some people that you know don't have a problem at all with the the beer and wine sales. I think some people are kind of you know frustrated or chuckling under their breath about. Okay, you're going to give me a family-friendly menu, and at the same time, my five-year-old's going to watch you know, a, a dude next to him be consumed by Budweiser, and I'll have to listen to him the whole game. I mean, that's just right. the brutal reality of it. Right. And there, there's places where that's been sold, whether people have been at Saints games or you know, other college venues or you know, concerts or whatever. And I think there's legitimate Southern Miss fans out there that are saying, listen, 
I'm all for people being in the stands. I just don't want the thing to turn into a slop fest in the third quarter. Right. Uh, and, you know, we've all been in a situation where we were enjoying our team and the dude behind us, uh, you know, he's not there anymore. He let, he checked out in the second quarter and he's, he's, it's the, it's the alcohol talking and he's saying crazy stuff and then something happens and he spills, you know, stuff on your shirt and you smell like Bud Light the rest of the day. I think those are legitimate concerns from Southern Miss people. So if, if you're for this and you have, you know, a, a friend or a, another fan, you know, that just don't, you know, th- throw rocks at them because there's a genuine concern. Because I do think it, it's both. It, so here's the question: If it goes back to it, you know, they're not going to start this on, on the at the Alcorn game. It'll be uh, the UTEP game on, on September 28th. And the question for Mr. McLean tomorrow is: What are you going to do with those fans that a want the rock to be packed, but b have genuine questions about, you know, how you're going to police this properly so that it doesn't get out of control. That's right. And unfortunately, in our culture today, there's too much, there's so much divisiveness that if, if you have an opinion that doesn't go with the majority, instead of the majority listening to your opinion, they just demonize you. Oh, you, you blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you just think the sky is going to fall. Oh, just shut up. We're going to drink our beer. Well, there are two sides to this issue. Let's be honest. There, there are two points of view. Had a very prominent, name will remain anonymous, very prominent supporter of the program told me today, I used to go to football games, and he named another big school, and I just got tired of the drunkenness and the praying language and the attitudes toward uh, you know the opposing team and it's a you know go stand up the whole game and if you say could you sit down the drunk's going blank 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 you blank 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 you and i got away from that and came to southern miss and i've so enjoyed the uh, family atmosphere and if it turns into what i left i can just go home and watch football on tv and i think that is what the school needs to guard against and hopefully they will, and I have a lot of confidence that Jerry McClain's doing what he thinks is best for Southern Miss. And, uh, you know, Luke, I think at this point it's done, it's going to happen, and we just need to give the school an opportunity to, to uh, show us how they're going to handle it, right? Yeah, and I think the, the school has to take that good step forward and address it with fans who are, you know, and, and address those concerns. Because you would think with the, with the, the family – the family menu that they're rolling out, they're conscious of those things, and they're conscious right. of the concerns. And so it'll be it'll be good to talk to Mr. McLean tomorrow. Here's the that. one thing I don't buy. I've heard a lot of, oh well, it'll cut down on drinking because uh, now they won't have to drink so much outside. Bull hockey. I'm. <laughs> Bummy bull hockey. That's just like saying, you know, if you got a, a donut addict, he's going to eat less donuts if you put a big tray, of, you know, of Krispy Kreme glazed in front of him the whole night. That's, I, we, uh, that's ridiculous. We, well, I had an elementary school teacher, and uh, she – I was after I got out of elementary. I think I was in high school or something, and and uh, I was getting ready to go to Southern. And she told me a story. She said they had taken their family, and they were sitting over. Uh, they were by the Pride, I think. And and her son leaned over to her and, and said, "Mama, Mama, that that boy over there is drinking sunscreen." <laughs> <laughs> this guy had put something in a sunscreen bottle, and it's, you know, and that's what he was Well, I'll say this real so quick. Anyway. This is the last I'll say about it. I've been around a lot of people at football games. Hey, I've had drinks at football games, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with responsible drinking of alcohol. That's something every adult American is totally entitled to do. 
those people are welcome. I, re- I remember being in Houston one night at a Southern Miss-Houston game, and there was a Southern Miss kid who had had way too much to drink. And he was all belligerent with this Houston police officer. And my wife heard the cop say, son, the last thing I want to do is have to take you to jail. But if you don't sit down and shut your mouth, that's just where you're about to go. My wife gets up, goes and gets the kid by the arm. We don't know him from Adam. Sits him right beside her and says, now sit here and be quiet. Are you going to be calling your parents and have to get out of the Houston City Jail? And it was, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Oh, that's good. And you hope that you don't see... You know, you, you hope that you see a minimal of that, and I hope this works out, and I hope the school enjoys a lot of increased revenue. But we've talked a lot about that. All right, we got two minutes. They'll, so they'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. They'll, you know, let's just push. We were going to talk O-line. Let's just push it back to yeah, tomorrow. Okay. And right, yeah. um, You know, they were talking about, you know, beefed-up security. I think there will be. We, we were playing at South Florida. And we were in there, you know, early. Kickers get out there first. Is me and Barefoot and McCaleb. And there was like three dudes, and they were already jazzed up, and they were screaming at us. I mean, and nobody was in Raymond James. So, you know, it's the, the NFL stadium with the, with the pirate ship. And this police officer comes up to me, and he says, Brother, if, uh, if they say something to you that you don't like, he said, you just let me know. It will make my day to haul one of those idiots out of here. Well, the so, the, the good policeman you know, we saw in Houston was just – he was trying so hard not to give this kid any more trouble than, you know, he was already creating. And uh, uh, Angela stepped up and resolved that issue. And I remember the cop looking down at her and just kind of smiling and nodding his head like, thank you. Because he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to put the kid uh, in jail. And unfortunately, Luke, sometimes people do things they wouldn't normally do when they drink too much mm-hmm. alcohol. And uh, that's just a fact, you know. That's a fact. And uh, I hope it all works out. And I, I'm confident, you know. I, I, the more I think about it, I'm confident that uh, that the school will be on top of it. And as I say, I want everybody to come and do what they want to do and have a really good time. And uh, and if that means drinking beer, that's your prerogative to do. I just ask that you keep it in context and and be respectful to everybody that's around you. Is that is that a fair? And I want to. Yeah. yeah, you just need to be respectful of other people. And one of the things that I'll ask uh, Mr. McLean tomorrow too is, you know, what, what's been the? I'm not not that I'm for it. I'm just saying you you would think that I thought there was something you know in the state or there was a law or something that would right. have prevented this. And so why are we seeing this now? So we'll be able to talk to Jeremy tomorrow about that. Also on the show tomorrow, JP Heath, our buddy from Rice University, is going to be talking about Rice Owl football. So we got a full show tomorrow and one more segment to go today. So don't go anywhere. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Wednesday, Gulfport Home Center. Down in Gulfport on Highway 49 brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Every day, more room for you, more room for your family. New and used, manufactured housing, all of that. Greatest inventory around can be found at Gulfport Home Center. 
Well, I uh, got, a, got a text from uh, volleyball coach Stephanie Radecki during uh, the break, and it's welcome week, and so schedules were getting crazy, so the volleyball team was actually uh, in practice, and she uh, she apologized multiple times, and, and uh, we're going to have her scheduled for, for next Wednesday. And, you know, it, it'll be a lot to talk about, uh, Bob, because we we saw it during baseball season, just the volleyball center going up, and that's a big deal at Southern Miss uh, for the ladies to have their own facility like that. And I know Jay Ladner and Joy Lee McNellis now got the whole building to themselves. Yeah, I'm sure it's exciting. They, they start August 30th. They play in Denver. They're going to play Seattle, the University of Denver, and San Francisco. And then on September the 6th, they're going to have the Southern Miss Volleyball Classics, uh, UNO, Arkansas State, and Mississippi State all going to be here. In fact, that Saturday night, I believe, uh, as I remember reading it, 7 o'clock, the ladies are going to play Mississippi State uh, in the new facility. So uh, that's an exciting weekend there, the first weekend of September. Very, very exciting for women's volleyball. I hope that volleyball will knock off Mississippi State like the soccer team did last weekend. And uh, they'll and just the basically – yeah, line up, and we'll we'll get a trifecta going. Uh, a real real emotional story uh, up in Arkansas yesterday. Blake Anderson, who was the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss under Larry Fedora from 2008 to 2011, a lot of people think he should have been named the head coach in 2012 at Southern Miss. He followed Larry Fedora to the University of of North Carolina, and now he's been the head coach at Arkansas State since 2014. Won a couple of Sun Belt titles. Uh, just uh, just tough news uh, yesterday um, out of Arkansas State. Blake's wife, Wendy, who had been fighting cancer uh, for for two years, uh, passed away. And, and it got my attention. We I'm on a uh, text group text with, with Ryan McKee and, and Austin Davis and and uh, Jonathan Gary and some of those guys that, that played for Blake. And, and so they've been keeping us up. Uh, you know, uh, up to date on how Wendy was doing, but the news came out, I believe, uh, Monday, that Coach Anderson had taken a, a leave of absence uh, to care for Wendy, and then she passed uh, yesterday. And so there, there's a story in, on Sports Illustrated. I think it's the Atlantic also, and just talks about their journey together. There was a time even that their marriage was on the rocks because he was focused on football first and family second, and just how how the Lord worked in their life, mended their marriage, and and how uh, his his coaching career uh, he had always pledged to put Wendy first and man just how he, he fought for his wife and uh, just on behalf of, of everybody at Southern Miss we send our condolences up to, to Red Wolf Nation and, and Blake Anderson but it's a don't be around anybody when you read that story man because it, it's it's pretty moving and uh, just for Southern Miss fans to know Dave Duggan who also coached uh, with uh, Blake Anderson here at Southern Miss. He's now the interim head coach. No idea how long Coach Anderson will be out, but mm-hmm. just just say some prayers for the Anderson family. And, and it's just been tough on a lot of people. Wendy was the the joy of his life, and and yesterday uh, early morning on Twitter, Blake just uh, said that his his best girl has had had gone home to be with the Lord in heaven. So just uh, send some prayers out for Arkansas State specifically for Blake Anderson and his family. Here's what it does, Luke. It puts things in perspective. It puts the football games upcoming in perspective. It puts the debate over whether or not you should sell beer at the football game. It puts all of those things in perspective. Football is a game. It doesn't really matter in the end who wins and who loses, if you want to be completely honest. Uh, little issues like arguing over what's being sold at a stadium, all of those things are entertainment and they have a place in our lives, but uh, when you put it in perspective, none of that means anything 
when you you hear something about this uh, this fine lady uh, losing her life at such an early part of her life, and uh, so you're exactly correct. You know, our, our prayers and thoughts are with with uh, Coach Anderson and uh, and that whole team. You know that you know Luke that has to have an effect on the entire football team. It does. One of the things that I read in the article was Blake said that they had already been through this with the football team, and, and the guys understood. He's tried to create a family atmosphere. And this I just caught this in passing. He said, I can tell you what we will be doing right now the third week of October on a Thursday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. So the coaching staff and, and the players and the, really the whole culture up there, they have it, have it, ha, they had it planned out before this leave of absence. And I'm not sure if, you know, they expected, uh, you know, Miss Wendy uh, to pass away. Uh, you know, it was a, literally she passed away a day after, um, he took the leave of absence. But, uh, you know, you, you just heart goes out for all of them. And it, I was just scrolling through, uh, you know, the replies on Twitter and like Gus Malzon's wife from Auburn, a coast, uh, uh, of course, they were at Arkansas State uh, together, and just you know, just around the the country, coaches, uh, coaches' wives, reporters, all kinds of people just reaching out, and it was it was really amazing. Uh, it was I think early in the morning, it was like over a thousand, fifteen, maybe yeah. two two thousand replies, just affirming uh, Blake Anderson and encouraging. Better days ahead for the Anderson family, and uh, and we wish them uh, well through this most trying time. All right, when we come back tomorrow, we're going to have J.P. Heath from Rice University on the show. No stranger to the Eagle Hour. We always enjoy our conversations with J.P. and Jeremy McLean, athletic director for USM. Not much to talk with him about, right, Luke? But we're gonna, we're going to bring him on the show uh, just in case uh, we can think of a topic or two that we might want to discuss with him. Looking forward to having Jeremy on the Eagle Hour. Be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, everybody. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.